Kale Clark here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code relevant radio and get a free phone. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. Fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to another week. Welcome to Monday. It's February the 27th, 2023. And if you want to talk to me, give this number a call, 888-914-9149. Once again, that number to call, 888-914-9149. And you can also email the show. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. Great place to send comments, questions, show ideas, articles you might want me to take a look at and maybe deal with on the air. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. We have a show account, too, at Kale Clark Show. Hey, I want to throw out a listener question for you right away before we get into the Memento Mori entry for today. Remember your death. That sounds morbid, but actually is very life-giving. Here's a question for you. As we start off another work week, is it actually possible to have work-life balance? Can we really do all things well? And one of the things that, that people said about our Lord was he has done all things well. And we, we strive to do that, but how realistic is it? Can we live a balanced life in this world? Or are some areas always going to fall by the wayside? Here, here's what I mean. I saw a tweet from this guy, speaking of Twitter, saw a tweet from this guy named Joe Cassandra, and he, and he said this, and somehow this, this popped up on my timeline. He says, I have found that I can do only four of these things well, max. So what things is he talking about? Be present with slash romantic with my spouse. Ooh, okay. Valentine's Day is over, but the romance must continue. Be present with my kids, be successful at work, be a good networker, have hobbies, have time to relax, time to exercise, time with quote-unquote my buds, and have eight hours of sleep. He says, I found I can only do four of these things well, max. Be present with my kids, be present with my spouse, be successful at work, be a good networker, have hobbies, have time to relax, have exercise time, have time with my buds, and have eight hours of sleep. He says, I've seen people here on Twitter who seem to be able to do it all, but I'm not sure how. Now, what's what's interesting about this is that he, he doesn't even mention, I don't know whether he's a spiritual person or not, but he doesn't even mention the spiritual life. So he, he mentions a few different things, being present with his spouse, his kids, being su- successful at work being a good networker, having hobbies, time to relax, exercise, time with his friends, and sleep a solid eight hours. He says, I can only do four of these things well max per day. And he's he's asking, I don't know how people claim to be able to do all these things, how how people can, can possibly hold it together. Do you think it is possible? Do you think it is possible? Plus, have a solid spiritual life going. Maybe try to get to daily mass if possible. Pray daily say a rosary, um, try to find time to evangelize one's friends, you know, not just spend time with them. Think about it. Let, let me know what you think. 888 914 As you're calling in on that, 
And once again, the number to call is 888-914-9149. Can we really live all these facets of our life well, all these buckets? Can we can we really fill them every day? Is it possible? 888-914-9149. I do want to read to you a really interesting entry from Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. And we've been kind of going through her Remember Your Death devotional, Memento Mori. That's a Latin term. The Memento Mori Latin Devotional, published by Pauline Books and Media. It, it's that's what I'm doing. This is what I'm using every day for for Lent, uh, as a kind of a just a way to spark my spiritual life a little bit. And I've been sharing some thoughts from each day's entry that she has with all of you. And I encourage you guys to to go out there and grab the book. I will post a, a link to it in the show notes. And she's got an interesting one for today, based off of the readings of the day for Mass. Now, in today's Gospel reading, we have in Matthew chapter 25, the famous parable that Jesus tells about the sheep and the goats. This is the great judgment, you know, the great white throne judgment, if you will, where everybody is all together all at once. And Jesus says this, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Jesus says, quote, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you. When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. And of course, those are the sheep, the good guys, you know, they get in. And then there are the goats who, who didn't do any of these things. And, and they say, well, Lord, when did we not do any of these things? Well, anytime you didn't do this for someone else, you didn't do it. For me, we know this passage really, really well from Matthew chapter 25. And and I remember when I was, and I've told you guys this story before, when I was outside of the Catholic Church, I'd become kind of an agnostic, and I was going to Illinois State University. I'd moved there for, for school, and I was studying business, and got a knock on the door from some people from a local fundamentalist Baptist church, and they were doing a religious survey with the students. And I was living in an off-campus apartment with some friends and I let them in because I wanted to debate them. I wanted to argue with them. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey back to Christ. I, I've told this story before, but what I want to mention to you about this is how they kind of, the hook to, to get people talking was they said, do you have time to do a quick religious survey? And that was, that was kind of the opening line. And the last question on the survey was, was kind of the, the piece de resistance, if you will. They asked me, if you were to die tonight and stand before Almighty God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? What would your answer to that question be? And a lot of people will say something like something along the lines of, well, I, I, I've tried to be a good person. And we, we dealt with that whole issue on a previous episode of the K.O. Clark Show last week. I've tried to be a good person, and the fallacy of the quote-unquote good person. Now, of course, the right answer, quote-unquote, that they wanted you to give was, well, I've, I've 
ask Jesus to come into my heart. By the way, it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible to ask Jesus to come into your heart, but having said that, I understand the sentiment behind that, of course. The idea is to say, you know, I've trusted in Jesus Christ because he has took my place. He's taken my place on the, on, on the cross. He's taken my punishment. Um, when he cried out, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, Labasamachtani. Um, you know, he, he has experienced that abandonment, uh, the, the, the separation from God for all eternity that we so richly deserve. Because I've trusted in his salvific death on the cross and his powerful resurrection, I have now become friends with God and everything's fine. <laughs> of course, there, there are many more steps involved, but, but that, that was a question that actually really got me thinking. And it's a very good question. It's a very, very good question. And that's kind of what this gospel is about today. And here's what Sister Teresa Alethea Noble says about this in today's Memento Mori entry. She says, quote, Jesus Christ has made death the doorway to eternal life. So when we stop and meditate on death, we are also simultaneously meditating on eternal life. And in today's gospel, Jesus tells us how we should live in order to reach eternal life. Now, that's, that's a, let, me, let me just end the quote there. Let me just say a couple words about that. This is really important. Jesus explicitly lays it out, how to get to heaven. And he says elsewhere in the gospel, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's a really, really important quote from our Lord, because it tells us that entry into heaven is not gained by answering some religious quiz correctly. It's not about knowing the right answer. It's about living it out. Now, I think you do have to know what the answer is in order to live it. First of all, you have to know what it is. But it's very, very important that we pay attention to this. All right, let's go back to Sister Teresa here. She says, quote, With a very clear and frank language, Jesus stresses that only friends of the poor and the defenseless will enter the kingdom of heaven. He does not select just one group of vulnerable persons, but lists group after group, the hungry, the thirsty, the strangers, the naked, the ill, and prisoners. The variety in Jesus' list suggests that it is not meant to be restrictive. That's a good point. He's not just saying, well, if, if you're good to these people, these groups, then you're fine. She says, we could add the unborn, the elderly, workers, refugees, and the list goes on and on. While Jesus is normally quite concise, he twice repeats the list of people we are called to help, those who are Christ on earth. So this repetition signals the importance that God places on serving the poor and vulnerable. Dorothy Day once wrote in The Catholic Worker, she said, I firmly believe that our salvation depends on the poor. Service to the poor is not ancillary to the Christian life. This service or lack thereof can either lead us to eternal life or permanent death. God's children are called to have hearts of compassion for every person in need and to acknowledge the countless cries of sorrow and terrified faces of desperation in our world. Now, of course, some of us may feel called to work with a specific group. Nevertheless, Jesus is clear that a Christian's generosity of heart should never be limited. 
never be limited. We're called to open our hearts to the diverse and sometimes conflicting needs and cries of humanity. And Jesus tells us this, this call is not a bonus, but it's central to the Christian life and leads to eternal life. So some Christians, uh, she says, may downplay serving the poor and the vulnerable as if it were an optional hobby that only some are called to take up. But Jesus is quite candid. He says, those who do not do these works of mercy will be sent into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. That's in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. So here, here, and here's a, she gives a quote from uh, St. John Chrysostom, who is known as the golden tongue or the golden mouth. That's what Chrysostom means. Great preacher in the early church, in the eastern part of the church. Very famous. He said this, and he was kind of commenting on this, this gospel passage. He said, quote, There is no pardon. No, none. <laughs> there's no pardon. There's no forgiveness. There's no pardon. No, none for him who does not do works of mercy. This gospel should disturb us. It should also motivate us to find life in serving Christ in the poor. So when we talk about these works of mercy towards the poor, the hungry, all these other groups, really what we're talking about here is the corporal works of mercy. You guys probably all remember what the corporal works of mercy are and what the spiritual works of mercy are. Let me just lay them out to you in case in case you've forgotten. So there are seven corporal works of mercy, and, and the word corporal has to do with the, the needs of the body. There's seven corporal works of mercy, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked. These are things that Jesus talks, talks about in this passage in Matthew 25. Harbor the harborless, essentially give homes to the homeless, essentially. Visit the sick, ransom the captives, and bury the dead. I always think of the book of Tobit when you think about burying the dead, because that's what uh, that's what was going on there, uh, a lot of burying of the dead. But anyways, so those are the corporal works of mercy, which are necessary and needed. There's also the spiritual works of mercy, instructing the ignorant. There are seven spiritual works of mercy as well. So instructing the ignorant, and, and that's that's really important to educate people about the faith, because there's so much ignorance out there. Even in the information age, even in the age of Google, it's incredible uh, how poorly catechized so many people are. And I was in that boat, too. I mean, when I was at university and these guys knocked on my door, I mean, I was very poorly catechized. And that's part of why these guys were able to convince me. And they were very sincere. They were trying to help me. They believed in Jesus. They, they loved Christ. They thought they were doing me a favor. They said, you got to get out of the Catholic Church. Once I accepted Christ, they said, you got to get out of this. This is a pagan system. And I, I didn't really know my faith well enough to refute it. But anyway, so instructing the ignorant, spiritual work of mercy, counseling the doubtful, counseling the doubtful. Number three, admonishing sinners. Whew, there's not much of an appetite for that in the culture today, is there? Admonishing sinners, telling people. And this is a work of mercy. You're telling people that what they're doing is sinful. I wouldn't advocate doing that with total strangers, but there, there does come a time and a place in a relationship, a friendship, uh, based on loving the other person, willing their good, where truth has to be told. So admonishing sinners, bearing wrongs patiently, lots of opportunities for that, isn't there? Forgiving offenses willingly, okay, and not you know holding grudges, being able to 
actually forgive, which doesn't mean having warm, fuzzy feelings towards people, forgiving offenses willingly, comforting the afflicted, and praying for the living and the dead. So if here's the thing. If, if someone is a saint, someone's a canonized saint, in all likelihood, they might be known for doing... Maybe they might be more known for, let's say, doing the corporal works of mercy, like somebody like Mother Teresa might be more known for this. But I guarantee you, she was pretty strong in the spiritual works of mercy as well. You have to be exemplifying all of the works of mercy, I think, to be a total Christian, to be a saint. And that's what we should be shooting for. But I find that, and this is a confession time for me here, I find that we do tend to favor one or the other groups of, you know, these works of mercy. And maybe this is just our natural bent or, or what we're good at or, or whatever, whatever we find naturally attractive. But I, I tend to, to delve more towards the spiritual works of mercy, which are important. But and I think this is the point of the entry that um, Sister Teresa was making today. The corporal works of mercy are not just also important. They're, they're necessary and you need to do them. There is no option here. Like John Chrysostom says, there is no pardon, none for the one who does not do works of mercy. So this is important. And here's what uh, Sister Teresa says. I'm just going to continue quoting her here. She says, quote, this gospel should disturb us. It should also motivate us to find life in serving Christ in the poor. The road to heaven is paved with works of mercy. And these works are just as much for our well-being as they are for others. In serving the poor, we find Christ, our life. In serving the vulnerable, we evade death and find true and lasting life. End of quote. Now, we've often been told, we've often heard that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. But, this idea that the road to heaven is paved with works of mercy is really important. Uh, and we know that in Lent, we're supposed to give alms. Almsgiving is one of the, one of the things in Lent. We, we usually just think about monetary alms. But the word for alms actually comes from the Greek word for mercy. That's really interesting, isn't it? The Greek word for mercy. So if we really want to give alms, one of the best things we can do is try to give more works of mercy, not just the spiritual works of mercy, but also the corporal works of mercy. So it's really interesting here in this passage. It's not about what you know, it's not, but we do have to know things because you can't love someone that you don't know. That's a really important part of the Catholic life. But it's really important what you do, what you do. As St. Paul says uh, in another place, he says, the only thing that counts is faith working through love faith working through love. It's it's really, really important. So we've got to take a quick break right now on the Kale Clark Show. But we can talk more about this uh, in the next segment. Plus, I want you guys to answer this question that I threw out at the beginning. Is it really possible to live a balanced life? Spiritual life or social life or work life or family life or friendships? Taking care of our health? Is it really possible? 888-914-9149. Be right back. Hi, this is Kale Clark. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. They're a pro-life phone company and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro-life charity of your choice. 
For a limited time, new customers who mention offer code RELEVANTRADIO get a free phone with free activation and free shipping. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. Helping you keep your mind off traffic and on the more important things in life. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program on this Monday, 888-914-9149 is the number to call, 888-914-9149. In just a moment, and you can call in to talk about this, is it really possible to live a balanced life? Or is it something that we just have to settle for only being good at a couple areas of life? 888-914-9149, talking spiritual life, friendships relationship with one's spouse, family, hobbies, physical fitness. Uh, are we doomed to, to really only be good at a couple of things because there just isn't enough time? 888-914-9149. And also before the break, we were talking about remembering one's death, memento mori, going through this uh, devotional uh, each day of this Lent with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble, her book, Remember Your Death, Memento Mori, Lenten Devotional. And today's entry had to do with the gospel passage from Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats, and this idea that uh, those who are granted entry into the kingdom, it's not because they, they can answer the right questions, they have the religious quiz down pat. It's not all head knowledge. It's, is it faith working through love? Are you living the gospel? Are you doing the gospel? And at the, in the as one saint says, in the evening of our life, I think it was St. John of the Cross, he said, in the evening of our life, we will be judged on how we loved. And I mentioned I had a, just one extra quote here from St. John Chrysostom, a great preacher in the early church. He was commenting on this gospel, and he said, quote, Watch therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour. Matthew twenty-five thirteen. Do you see how Jesus continually adds this? showing how awful our ignorance is concerning our departure. Where are those people now who throughout their life were remiss in helping the poor, but when criticized, said, At the time of my death, I shall leave money to the poor. Let them listen to these words and make amends, for indeed many have failed to do this at their death, having been snatched away at once. Knowing these things, let us contribute wealth, diligence, protection, and all things for our neighbor's advantage. For you are not poorer than that widow. And what's he talking about there? He's talking about the widow's mite, as it's known, the the two small copper coins that the woman puts in the temple treasury, literally representing her last meal. And Jesus sees her do this. He notices, you are not poorer than that widow. You are not less instructed than Peter and John who were both unlearned and ignorant men. See Acts 4.13. Uh, by the way, just, just one little comment on that. Uh, when, when the text says that Peter and John were unlearned men, it, do, it doesn't mean that they were knuckleheads or idiots. It just means that they weren't trained rabbis. They were quite smart. They were really intelligent. They were running their own businesses. The Zebedee and Sons Fishing Company, in the case of John. And then Peter, of course, as well. And, and they would have had religious training in the synagogue, for sure. But what really made them intelligent was hanging out with Jesus. Imagine that. Uh, the authorities, it says, took note that these men had been with Jesus, okay, the ultimate teacher. So, yeah, maybe they don't have PhDs from Harvard Divinity, but 
they hung out with Jesus. That was that was worth more than that piece of paper, that's for sure. So St. John Chrysostom says, look, you're not poorer than the widow, okay? You have a little bit more than she does. You are not less instructed than Peter and John, okay? You've got the advantage of the faith. You've been, you've been instructed in it. He goes on to say, but nevertheless, they, they showed forth zeal. They did all things for the common good and reached heaven. Nothing is as pleasing to God as to live for the common good. For this end, God gave us speech, hands, feet, strength of body and mind, and understanding that we might use all these things both for our own salvation and for our neighbor's advantage. And that's a great quote from St. John Chrysostom. Yeah, so God has given us all these things. Speech, the ability to talk, the ability to think, hands, feet, strength of body and mind, understanding as much as we may have, as much or as little as we may have. We've got to use it for our own salvation. How? By being good stewards with what we've been given and for our neighbor's advantage. These gifts that we have been have been given are for the sake of other people. They're not for our own self-aggrandizement. And so that's really important that we, that we exercise this well. And so I just thought it was a really challenging entry because of the fact that, again, we tend to either one of the two works of mercy, the groups of, uh, you know, works of mercy, the spiritual works of mercy or the corporal, but we really need to be balanced. We really need to be balanced. And so I think that the, the suggestion that she gives at the end, she says, uh, Sister Teresa Alethea Noble, she says, everyone is called to help their neighbors, but God often has a special call or focus for each person. What's yours? Take some time to pray and reflect on your unique call to help those in need. And, and that's a really good point because some people feel a call, and it's a call that's often placed on the heart by God to help a certain we need to help everybody if we can, but a certain section of vulnerable people, a cross-section of some sort. I remember uh, some time ago on the show, I had Grace Williams on the show, who runs an incredible ministry called Children of the Immaculate Heart out in San Diego, California, and they help victims of human trafficking, modern-day slavery, and really doing God's work, incredible ministry, and, and I was so blessed to have her on. And, and some people are really... Uh, like like her, she, I mean, this is just a, an area that she really wanted. She saw a need, and God really laid it on her heart to help these very vulnerable women, and sadly also men and children as well, uh, who are often victimized by this. But it, but it could be another uh, another needy group uh, when we do these corporal works of mercy. And yeah, here's just one last thing. She says this is kind of an interesting idea, interesting thought exercise. Okay, let's say you have a group that you feel called to serve. Sketch out. A vulnerable person from the group that you feel called to serve. Here's what she means by that. Or she says, write a prayer asking the Lord to help you discern how you can provide for the needs of the poor. Anyway, so in terms of sketching out a vulnerable person, I'm imagining that she does something like, you probably heard of Rick Warren. He was a very famous Protestant minister. Um, He started a, a congregation called Saddleback Community Church in California. And he wrote a very famous book called The Purpose Driven Life. So if you haven't heard of his congregation, you might have heard of the book. Sold millions and millions of copies. And there's a lot of truth in there, uh, even though he's not coming from a Catholic perspective. But when he started off his church, if you will, his congregation, um, he had a um, he had sort of a composite person that he tried. I don't know if this is a good exercise, but this is done a lot, a lot in marketing circles. 
uh, Rich Pazinski, who's our director of marketing at Relevant Radio. If you're listening, you, you know about this full well. Very often, advertisers will try to reach sort of an ideal customer. And so he came up with this person called, he called him Saddleback Sam. And he could have, he could have called it Saddleback Samantha, or you know, he could have made it a female as well. But this is the type of individual who lives in the community that I'm trying to reach. He, he has this education, he has this income level, he lives in this street, in this house, and he has these interests and hobbies. And so the, the idea was to try to figure out, how can I serve this person? All right, this is the person who's out there uh, in my in my community, how can I reach this person? So when it comes to these different groups, if God feels, if you feel God has put a, a calling on you to serve a certain area, maybe try to think about an individual, um, sort of a, I don't know if it's a good thought exercise or not, a composite individual from a group that you want to reach. I don't know, it's kind of interesting to think about theoretical people, but there are actual people, unique, unrepeatable, that we do have to serve and we have to find I always think of, when I read that gospel passage of the sheep and the goats, the Hard Rock Cafe, I know it sounds crazy, but they're, what their slogan, love all, serve all. That's what we have to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. But well, I do want to get back to the, the listener question that I had uh, for you. But if you want to comment on this stuff too, feel free to call in 888 Is it really true that we can have work-life balance? Is it really true that we can... Try to do all things well, or is it just not realistic? And again, uh, I came across this tweet. There are a lot of comments on this tweet, um, popped up on the timeline. Kind of went a little bit viral, I guess. Um, This guy named Joe Cassandra, he said, I found that I can only do four of these things well, Max. Be present with my kids, be present slash romantic with my spouse, successful at work, be a good networker, hobbies, time to relax, time to exercise, time with my buds, and still get in a full eight hours of sleep. Is it really possible? Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Eric in Upper Peninsula, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Hi, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate you uh, hanging with me and being on hold for a minute there. Yeah, so I want to thank you. Uh, You made a lot of great comments. I almost forgot mine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Ecclesiastes, you know, tells us Mm. that there's a time to laugh and a time to cry. Mm. Um, but no matter how much balance we have, if God isn't first or present in, in, you know, where he's supposed to be at the top, mm-hmm. it's all meaningless. Mm. And what I've found, you know, I have two little, little ones at home and, uh, I play guitar. I actually, uh, lead praise and worship for our church. Um, you know, I'm always looking for that time to be able to jam and I want to include them yeah. and, and I want to do this. What, what I'm finding is God has to come first. Family has to be a close second. That includes the body of Christ, hmm. the church. Yeah. And, but, if one, but if one of those is suffering, I don't care what you just shot at your golf game. Hmm. Right? So more important than the balance is the priority. So mm-hmm. is it a bad thing if we only get four of those things done? I don't think so, as long as it's the right four things. Yeah, I, I really like that comment, Eric. I, I, I really, really like that. More important than the balance is the priority. And, and putting God first, it has to really be a top-down perspective, I think, for sure. Absolutely. Because it's all about really loving God and loving people. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And yes, yourself, you do have to put yourself in there. 
it's almost like putting on your own oxygen mask. You do have to take care of yourself in order to be useful to others, in order to serve others. And that has, there's a physical component to that as well. We've got to eat well. We've got, and, and a lot of you guys, including me, are trying to do better with that this Lent. Because if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to be there for my family in 20 years, 30 years. I won't be able to help them. I won't be able to serve them because I'll be gone. If I don't, I, I must look after this, you know, body beautiful or not so beautiful as, as it were. Um, I can hear my producer laughing, you know, in my ear. Yeah. So th this is the thing. So the six pack, you know, needs to, the keg needs to become a six pack. Let's put it that way. But, but we have to, we have to look after ourselves for God's sake and for others' sake. Uh, it's really important. But yeah, I, th I like what you said that it starts with God and then of course family. And then also Eric said that for him, family also includes his church family, because yes, we are family in the body of Christ. We have a relevant radio family of listeners as well, and we try to help one another too. So I'd really love to hear what you guys think about this. That's a great call from Eric in Michigan, 888 and, and yeah, this this uh, gentleman who who posted the tweet, I mean, he wasn't even talking about, uh, about spiritual life. That it wasn't even one of the buckets that he had on his list there. And what, what some people said in the comments is they said, well, there are certain seasons in life in which you know, you're, you're probably not going to be able to do certain things or you need to focus more specifically on other, other things. And a lot, a lot of you guys who are parents of, of large families out there, you can probably identify with this. And my wife and I were friends with this couple that had seven kids and they Though I remember the wife telling us, you know, I have to admit, I, my spiritual life is not as it's it's not that tight right now. I mean, I, I, I I've I've got some loose ends, but I think I think God understands that to a certain degree. I mean, she wasn't missing mass on Sunday or anything like that, and she was trying to pray and as best she could. But there were times when her family needed her, and she was exhausted from having I don't know three kids under the age of five and a bunch of older kids as well, and she just. There, there will come seasons in our life in which we really have to focus on certain things. And I don't know what you guys think about that, but but I would love to hear from you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine and and also also here here's another suggestion that some some people made in the comments uh, section of this guy's tweet. And they often say, don't read the comments because the bottom half of the internet is not worth reading. Not, not always. Sometimes there's, there are good comments to be made. And a couple people suggested, well, one of the things that you can do maybe to make things workable is try to double up on some of these things. So here's an idea. We, we, we know we need to exercise. Why not try to exercise with your spouse and try to spend some time that way? You might go for a run. You might walk the dog. I don't know, T take a, take a hot yoga class together. I'm not, I don't want to get into that. There's the whole spirituality of yoga, but I don't think that that, could, yeah, that gets into it most of the time. But anyways, I've never tried it. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, if you want to Jane Fonda me, you can call 888-914-9149. But, but this idea of doubling up, uh, trying to exercise with your kids or, or, or with your spouse or engage in some hobbies with your family something like that, something like that. Uh, 
you got to catch up on your sleep. You can sleep at the office. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Uh, let's go to the phones right now. Bridget is in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Gil. Hey, um, what are your thoughts on this? A do- Hi, um, a, a doc that I worked with years ago when I started out, um, he was in real good shape and had young kids. Mm. And he said the key to doing it all is don't bother going to the gym. Do your work in your yard yourself. And that mm. way you get your, you have nice physique, you know, doing all your work yourself. You save money. Your kids are there with you, and uh, you're not away from the family. So mm. that's what I recommend people. It's a big waste of time and money to be going to the gym So uh, for a married, married person. So that's, and that's worked well for my husband and me. Hmm. Well, th- thanks, Bridget. Do you, do you have a big piece of property? Do you have a large sort of plot of land that your house is on? Or? Well, we have like an acre, but... You know, okay. you when by the time you you know you shovel snow and you yeah. and you do the raking and you mm-hmm. you mow your lawn and um, and you know you get the snow off the roof and you clean out your garage and there's just there's a lot to be done and you know if you need more time then you know run run the baby around the block in a stroller or something. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and I like the idea of yard work. I think it's kind of interesting. And shoveling, of course, at this time of year. Uh, and as I as I'm doing this show right now, there's a massive blizzard happening outside my window. And yeah, I mean that that could be really good for. I mean, don't overdo it if you've got a heart condition or, or something like that. You don't don't just go out and try to, you know, be a he man. You, you got to take it take it a little easy and work with your doctor's advice before beginning any program. Of course, as they say in all the commercials, but. Um, I think that can, I mean, the problem is in, in a lot of cities, if you're in an urban environment, I mean, my lawn is about the size of a post, postage stamp. So, I mean, it's not exactly going to turn me into Schwarzenegger to mow the lawn or anything like that. But but I do think it, it is important to try to, to do something. And I read a statistic. It's not really a statistic. Um, there's a guy who uh, who owns a gym, and, and he was saying that he thinks that about 1%... Uh, and he was talking about men in particular. He, was, he said about 1%. It, may, it might, might boggle your mind to, to, to consider this stat, but he thinks, just based on anecdotal evidence, what he sees every day, he says that about 1%, or maybe even less, of American men actually exercise. The rest of them are eating junk food, playing video games, watching sports on TV, but they're not really doing anything. So if you're doing anything at all, even just, just taking the dog for a walk, that's a start. That's a start. So so don't don't sleep on that. Just just start small and, and try to do something. But yeah, we listen, a lot of guys are on hold right now. Please stay there. Deacon Tony, I see you there. I see you there, Teresa. Just hang on. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Gotta take a quick break right now, but we will be right back on the Kale Clark show. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, welcome back. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. 888-914-9149. Is it really possible to have balance in your life, your spiritual life, your relationships, especially those relationships with one's spouses and children if you have them? When I say spouses, I don't mean that you have more than one spouse. You, you know what I'm talking about there. W- w- work. Are, are you performing well at work? Are you glorifying God in your work? Are you able to offer up your work? Are you excelling at your work? It's crucial. 
It's crucial for the disciples of Christ not to be the office hack. It's really important because the truth of the matter is when it comes time to talk about the faith, no one will listen to you if you're terrible at your job. They, they just will not take you seriously. Something to consider. Something to consider for sure. What about physical health? What about friendships? What about hobbies? What about getting proper rest? It's hard to keep it all in balance, isn't it? It feels like a juggling act at sometimes in this modern world. Is it possible? If so, how are you doing it? Would love to hear from you. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Deacon Tony in Orange, California. Hi, Deacon. Hi, Kale. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for calling in. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. The reason I was calling in was I find that a lot of times our words are very, very powerful. When we talk about balance, mm. I always look at it as a defensive, you know what I mean? Like a secondary type of a thing. So when I talk to mm. my staff or people at our parish or young couples or whatever, I always talk about management mm. because if you're managing it, you're planning it. So ahead of time, you're going to say, hey, maybe tonight I'm not going to get enough sleep because we've got something going on, or maybe tomorrow I'm going to have more time to exercise because mm. I can push a meeting back or Maybe the next night I can take my wife out to dinner, whatever it might be. But it's all about planning ahead of time because we need to accomplish certain things in our days. I, I really like that. I like the idea of looking at it sort of offensively as opposed to defensively, like you said. I mean, if you're trying to balance things, it's almost like the, these, these balls are being thrown at you and you're trying to juggle them. You're kind of reactive to it. But this idea of being proactive is really interesting. So let me ask you this, Deacon. Is there a certain way that you or a method that you use for managing this stuff or, or managing your time? My wife and I have a shared calendar. So before uh -huh. I ever commit to anything, I always have to check with her and say, hey, you know, I see that we have some opening on Wednesday night. Is it okay if I can, you know, somebody's asking me to do a rosary for a funeral or something, or, hmm. you know, we have to mismanage things or change things at times too and understand that we have to be flexible. Like we have a state championship basketball game that's coming up tomorrow, so we have to rearrange our schedule to make sure that we can go see our daughter play and yeah. things of that nature. Just have to be flexible and ready to do what needs to be done to know what is the priority that day or that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I like the idea of having a shared calendar and I hope your daughter does win the state championship. What, what grade is she in? She's a senior in high school and we're oh, okay. three games out. We're just starting the state tournament, but uh, okay. please keep her in your prayers. Wish her some <laughs> luck and uh, hopefully you'll hear about us in a couple of weeks. That, that is awesome. Yeah, it is the season for all the uh, state championships of basketball and getting ready for March Madness. Can you believe that? We're almost at March. Hey, Deacon Tony, really appreciate you calling in from Orange, California. Call back anytime. Let's go now to Teresa in Covina, California. Hi, Teresa. Uh, blessings. Thank you. I, uh, Thank you so much. First of all, I'm uh, 80 now, 82, going on 82. Oh, uh, in 2000, I God confirmed that I needed to have a homeless woman come into my home, and that was one of the the big five uh, greatest uh, challenges I had. Wow! And, but I'm glad I did it. And uh, the, uh, two of the members of that family are deceased now, and I pray for them. But mm. it was a grave, grave challenge. Anyway. I the the other thing is um, my my uh, focus is being obedient. I first learned about that from my mother that she survived a tuberculosis in a sanitarium because uh, out of twelve women she was the only one. And I said why? And she said I was obedient. So my that's what my goal is to try to be healthy, uh, to do you know God's holy will. Mm. 
And I, I mentioned that to a friend and a phone friend, and she cut me off. She thought I was judging her. And so uh, we, we, um, we get, you know, what would I say? We, we get, um, when we correct someone or just, I, I wasn't even correcting. I was just, just asked, and it's between her and God. But uh, we, we are yeah. risking friendships and animosity. And then finally, I really appreciate um, Pat Madrid's uh, final exit <laughs> interview. And I was able at a funeral last Friday uh, to speak about this precious 50-year-old woman who died within three days. And uh, I looked around and I said, you know, all the residents here at this cemetery, I just said all the residents here, all had to go through a final exit interview. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if people even got what it meant. But uh, that is, you know, a real focus now for me. And so... uh, and I really appreciated uh, uh, Deacon sharing because yeah, that was nice. Uh, all I can keep doing is trying and and keep on keeping on and trusting in the Lord and knowing God permits whatever I'm going through. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for that call in Covina, California, and that that is true. We we all we all are going to have that exit interview with our Lord, and that that's really what the gospel is about today, from Matthew chapter 25, which we were talking about earlier. And it's true. And sometimes when we when we engage in that spiritual work of mercy, and we were talking about the spiritual works of mercy as well, of admonishing the sinner, we do run the risk of being labeled as judgmental. Um, and some of that we can't control. Some of it we can. I think if people know that we're coming from a place of love and concern for them, that, that shouldn't really happen. But and sometimes people, they really are convicted by the Holy Spirit, and it's gonna, they might take it out on you for a little bit until they realize, you know, this person was just trying to help me. And maybe God has put his finger on some area in their life that they really don't want to hand over to him. That's always a possibility as well. Let's go to Ronnie in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Ronnie. How you doing? Oh, hi, Carol. And glad to hear from you. I, I love this subject that you're speaking about because that's that's what, that's the whole focus of life, is the spiritual and the corporal works of mercy is what life mm. is all about. And uh, I, I know one passage that's really true, that uh, mercy triumphs justice. Uh, mercy triumphs... What's I mean, yeah, I mercy triumphs over judgment. Right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And God, you know, God, his, they say, and it's written, that God's mercy is deeper than the ocean or higher than the heavens. That's how deep yeah. or how high his mercy is, you know. Like mm-hmm. his mercy is uh, is infinite, you know. It really he, is. He made us. We're his children. He loves us. Any any father on earth or mother um, uh, loves their children, and mm-hmm. uh, they will always forgive their children because out of love. And that's how God is with us, because He's the Father of all our mothers and fathers, going back from eternity. Yeah. And uh, uh, he he as a father. Any father will forgive their children and have mercy on their children. They may reprimand them or, or mm-hmm. correct them or, or scope, whatever. But it's one passage that also says a father that doesn't discipline his children is, is uh, what has it go? You know. Yeah, yeah. Dis- <laughs> yeah, it, it, basically, the, uh, if, if a father doesn't discipline his children, then he essentially doesn't love them in a certain sense. And, and, and I, that's a, a Ronnie, you made a couple of really, really good points there. This idea that eh, sometimes people walk around and they almost want to give in to despair. This idea, oh, can God really forgive me? Does he even want to forgive me? Of course he does. And uh, 
if you are, it's maybe is not so easy to understand if you're, unless you're a parent, but a parent would always forgive their child, as you mentioned, Ronnie, if they come back and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And of course, you just want them to jump into your arms and give them, give them a big hug. Well, how much more so God, who, as St. Jose Maria says, he loves us more than all the mothers in the world put together love their children. He loves us so much more uh, because his love is a perfect love. It's undiluted, and, and he does will our good. And he will always, always take us back, yeah, infinite oceans of mercy. And this is really what the Divine Mercy devotion, uh, which we pray every day at 3 p.m. on Relevant Radio on Drew's show, is all about. This is his greatest attribute, that he is willing to forgive. It's not his omnipotence. It's his mercy. And we, we always need to take advantage of that every day, and especially uh, during this Lent. So let's try to practice mercy to others, okay? The corporal works of mercy, the spiritual works. And we'll try to do that every day, trying to do it a little bit better than the day before. Well, this is Cale Clark. I'm so glad that you joined me on the program today. Jim Shaper produced. Thomas Engesser took your phone calls today. Timory's up next. Father Rocky's coming along afterwards with the family rosary after that. We'll see you tomorrow on The Faith Explained, 1230 Central, and I'll be back 23 hours from now for The Kale Clark Show. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.